All right. Welcome back or to the Reality of Fantasy podcast. I am your host, Jesse Cook. This is episode number four, the fourth recording. Uh, and this is a special day, a special recording for a couple of reasons. It is my last day as a 28-year-old chronologically, meaning that my birthday is tomorrow. Uh, I do intend to have a podcast episode released tomorrow because what else do you want to do on your birthday other than talk fantasy sports? Um, But mainly I want to release it tomorrow because tonight I have my season-long draft 12-teamer half-point PPR with uh, a bunch of donkeys. They're good friends. Peoples that I've met in the Madison, Wisconsin area who have distributed across the United States uh, over the years. Uh, But most of them are shitty fantasy football players. I mean, terrible fantasy football players, but mostly decent humans. Uh, So I will report back tomorrow with the draft results. Uh, Hopefully, uh, I will have Chris Carson uh, in the third round on my team. And potentially David Montgomery in the fourth round on my team with uh, zero RBs early on. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how things shake up. I got the 10th pick. That's very much Nick Chubb, Dalvin Cook swing picks there. I'm not really sold on Michael Thomas from a TD perspective and a volume. I may opt to go true upside with Juju at some point. We'll see. Uh, ideally, somehow Devontae Adams or DeAndre Hopkins squeaks down to me, but I just don't see that happening. Um, but yeah, we'll be flexible and certainly we're not taking a quarterback until real late and I'm leaving that draft without taking a defense or a kicker, which I guess is a a good place to jump off here for a little strategy for you. If you're drafting at this point with a couple weeks left to go before week one, there really is no point in drafting a defense or a kicker, uh, because you can pick up somebody, uh, such as like the jets at home playing Buffalo for week one. That will suffice. And right now you can utilize that roster spot to hang on to a player that such as like a Michael Gallup, for instance, or a Darwin Thompson, where there's uncertainty on the role that person will have. Um, Obviously, Michael Gallup will play. But if Amari Cooper is a shell of himself and Zeke's not there, then Michael Gallup becomes an absolute smash play week one. Um, And... Instead of limiting yourself by taking up two roster spots with your defense and your kicker, you can take players and then decide who to cut when you get to that point. Um, I like that strategy. I think I'm going to incorporate it. You're not forced in any capacity, from what I understand from most platforms, uh, to fill out a full roster. So that'll be my strategy. Quarterbacks late, no defense kicker. Uh, I could see myself getting drunk and drafting Travis Kelsey in the 10th pick. But hopefully I don't do that because I really don't want to and I want Hunter Henry or Evan Ingram or, well, that's about it. Uh, So one of those two will hopefully be my starting tight end and then we'll snag Jordan Reed later for a little safety and we'll go from there. Um, Today's episode is not going to be the longest. We're going to talk about or I'm going to talk about two receivers that uh, everyone's aware of. They're hyper-talented. Uh, They have a bit of diva in them, some off-the-field issues, uh, and right now, they're kind of going opposite directions uh, in the draft, and they're both very polarizing. 
Um, so I wanted to talk about where you could, you should feel comfortable drafting them if you should draft them at all. And these two receivers are Josh Gordon and Antonio Brown. So that'll be the bulk of today's episode. And then uh, following that, I'm actually going to run down my week one DraftKings dummy tournament lineup. So the current lineup I've built that is holding my places in all of my tournaments. I'm pretty happy with how it looks. There's one player in particular I'm not so sold on. Um, but we'll talk about it when we get there and, and how I'm going to navigate moving things around there. Uh, and then at the end, I'll close down with the beer of the podcast. So let's jump right in. Josh Gordon was recently reinstated into the NFL. That's really good news. Um, it's no surprise to me. The Patriots have been very hush-hush in this situation. And I think that they did that strategically because everything the Patriots do should be perceived as strategic. Uh, and I think he's ready to go. Tom Brady's already all, has come out multiple times in the past and said that he really likes throwing the ball to Josh Gordon. And it's apparent. In games without Rob Gronkowski last year, uh, he put up some pretty monster stat lines. So playing against the Bears defense, he had seven targets, four receptions, and 100 yards. Against the Packers defense, he had nine targets, five receptions, and 150 yards. And against the Titans, who were actually a pretty good defense last year in most games, he had 12 targets, four receptions, and 81 yards. So what this shows me is Tom Brady likes throwing the ball downfield to Josh Gordon. He's going to be the primary uh, deep, deeper shot uh, wide receiver on this team. You can see Edelman working underneath. Um, and... For me, there seems to be a decent amount of safety for a volatile player. Uh, without Gronkowski last year, his 16-game pace would be 149 targets, 69 receptions, 1,659 yards, and 5.3 touchdowns. Now, do I think he's going to put up those numbers? No. Am I certain he's even going to play week one? No. So these are things that have to be considered when you look at where he's being drafted. And right now he's being vaulted up draft boards. And I've seen him as high as late fourth round. Uh, and pretty much in most leagues now, he's not really falling past the seventh. And so you see him somewhere around this like ADP 60th, uh, you know, round five, uh, early round five, middle round five, ideally round six. Uh, that spot is where Josh Gordon's falling. And so you got to ask yourself, do I like Josh Gordon more than a guy like Robert Woods, who's currently ranked uh, by Fantasy Pros as the 16th wide receiver and 41st average depth position overall? Personally, I don't really like Robert Woods. I like him as a player, but it's really hard when Cooper Cup is healthy and Brandon Cooks is healthy to believe that Robert Woods is going to perform like he did when Cooper Cup was injured last year. Remember when Cooper Cup was healthy, Jared Goff, that was his go-to red zone receiver. Uh, the touchdowns will not be there for Robert Woods if Cooper Cup is truly healthy and, and from surgery and, and the, I think he had an ACL. Uh, but that still remains to be seen. So I'm not drafting Robert Woods at ADP 41. But I'm also not drafting Josh Gordon at ADP 41. You know, I'm not drafting him at the beginning of the fourth round. That would just be asinine for me in a 12-team league. Guys like... Uh, David Montgomery are in that spot. Chris Carson, those those types of players that are much safer and has, still have the upside you're looking for. Another player that 
I think is interesting when you think about Josh Gordon's value is Tyler Lockett at wide receiver 22 by Fantasy Pros in ADP 53. Now, I think this is a very comparable spot for Josh Gordon where a lot of air yards, similar to Tyler Lockett, maybe not a ton of receptions. So if you're looking at PPR, he probably should slide a little bit more. If you're in half point or no points, uh, then this is a good spot for him. Uh, so I can see, you know, Josh Gordon ended up with uh, 1,100 yards, 1,200 yards, four to seven touchdowns, and somewhere between 55 and 70 catches. And uh, that, to me, sounds a lot like Tyler Lockett. So I'm not entirely um, against drafting Josh Gordon ahead of Tyler Lockett. And there's a lot of buzz around Tyler Lockett right now, considering um, uh, DK Metcalf just had surgery. And so everyone thinks that Tyler Lockett's market share is going to increase. But I do not see that happening. He's not that type of player. I like David Moore's volume to increase. But still, this is an offense that really, really, really wants to run the football. So do I think that either one of those get a, uh, a notable boost? No. Uh, but for the sake of this discussion, I certainly don't think that Tyler Lockett is getting a notable, notable boost. So I think that Josh Gordon could, you could argue that Josh Gordon should be taken ahead of Tyler Lockett just because the Patriots are going to play faster and likely throw the ball more than the Seattle Seahawks. Um, but I also could see taking Tyler Lockett ahead of Josh Gordon. Uh, a player that I'm struggling with because I see more upside in this player than Tyra Lockett is DJ Moore. So DJ Moore is currently ranked as the number 26th receiver on the board and number 61 average draft position or average draft position uh, by Fantasy Pros. And you know, I think he's 21 or 22 years old. The guy's a, a physical freak. He's got another year under his belt with a healthy cam, so to, potentially, uh, allegedly. Um, I really like his abilities and. The, the variables seem to be in place for him to have a huge year. I don't see uh, many reasons why it, it's uh, inconceivable for him to end up with 80 catches, 1,200, 1,300 yards, 6 to 8 touchdowns. He's a prototypical build-wide receiver, whereas Curtis Samuel, although getting a ton of hype, well-deserved, great route runner, is probably going to work more under the neath, underneath routes. So I think that DJ Moore is a very talented receiver with a lot of upside in an offense that should be able to move the ball and put up points and end up in a lot of shootouts against the Saints and the Falcons and the Buccaneers. Uh, basically, I just want players in that division in general. Um, it's hard for me right now to determine whether I like Josh Gordon or DJ Moore more. Uh, I don't really know. Honestly, I think the fact that Josh Gordon hasn't stepped on the field yet has me with DJ Moore ahead. And again, I'm not devout to other people's rankings. So in my mind, DJ Moore is a better fantasy pick than Tyler Lockett, considering the potential upside that DJ Moore has, whereas Tyler Lockett seems to be dra drafted at a ceiling currently based on last year's success. A player that a lot of people are really hyped on, uh, but I'm off because of strength of schedule, which we'll talk about here in a second, is Robbie Anderson. So Robbie Anderson's a little bit behind DJ Moore as far as ranking. He's number 29 wide receiver. He's number 72 average draft position, according to Fantasy Pros. Personally, I'm a huge fan of Robbie Anderson. He did well for me down the stretch last year. Donald and him seemed to have good rapport. The guy apparently is, is uh, has a personality to him that just suggests that he's going to be intense all the time. Um, from what I heard, I think that was the Fantasy Footballers podcast. They brought it up. But my... Two concerns about Robbie Anderson. One, Adam Gase. 
That guy sucks as a coach. We saw it in Miami. He slows the game down. He doesn't use his weapons appropriately. I see that very much uh, limiting Robbie Anderson. Uh, similar to like Devontae Parker and Kenny Stills being limited under Adam Gase. And two, Robbie Anderson has the number one hardest strength of schedule for wide receivers. And although this isn't necessarily predictive of wide receiver success, um, because wide receivers can play in the slot and so on and so forth, we know Robbie Anderson's not a slot receiver. He lines up outside. He likes to go on the go routes, run deep. Uh, he is not a prototypical number one, but he's going to be the number one. He's going to draw the best corner. And we have seen in the past that when you have these schedules, uh, I think it was Alshon Jeffrey two years ago, where his like first 10 games were egregiously hard and his back end was super easy and he smashed then, but was terrible at the beginning. That can be extremely predictive. So those two factors alone have me lower on Robbie Anderson than what is currently ranked. As such, I think you should feel very comfortable taking Josh Gordon ahead of Robbie Anderson. Um, and going back to what was kind of uh, touched upon earlier, I think the middle to late round five, early round six spot is the ideal spot for Josh Gordon in a 12-team league. Somewhere around average draft position of like 66 to 72 is really what you're looking for with Josh Gordon. If you can find him there and you're looking for a receiver, lock it in. A lot of upside. Now let's go to the story of the offseason. I guess one of them because you have Zeke, you have Melvin Gordon, you have a lot going on. Antonio Brown, what in the world? Is he just doing this because of hard knocks? I mean, hard knocks, the psychology of hard knocks uh, needs to be explored further in how people approach their training camps and things like that. Um, but with the damage from cryotherapy, the continual problems with the helmet, not reporting, then reporting, then not reporting again, and now reporting again, and committing to being all in, I don't really know what to make of Antonio Brown. It's extremely polarizing to the point where some people are completely on board with taking him at the beginning of the third round, middle third round, where he's currently falling in 12 teams, uh, and trying to bank on this back end of round one, early round two upside. And I think that's fair. Other people are on this, I'm completely staying away, let other people deal with it. If he hits, he hits. If he doesn't, you know, there it is. And I'm more in line with that, but I see both sides of the equation. I don't think there's any middle ground. My concern about the capitalizing on his falling draft stock is that Derek Carr's not really a down-the-field thrower. You know, we saw some big games out of Amari Cooper, but they weren't consistent. We definitely know that Derek Carr can check it down to his running backs, can hit his tight ends really well. And I think that Antonio Brown, although he still is a really good receiver, he regressed a little bit last year in skills. And with the situation and all the turmoil around him, I just don't feel comfortable in any situation. So why force it? Again, this is why I really like the zero RBs in the first two rounds. Get some good wide receivers you really like. Then load up on some running backs for the next two or three rounds. Go back to wide receivers and tight ends. Then go to quarterback. Never draft a defense and kicker. Load up on some RBs and wide receivers at the end. High upside plays. And that's your strategy. But drafts happen. And you got to make decisions on the fly. And if he's there for me in the back end of the third round, I may have to take him. You know, if he's there at pick, what is that, 34? I'm the 10th pick. 
it's hard to pass up on a player like Antonio Brown there, especially if I've gone wide receiver running back and I see that David Montgomery and Chris Carson on the board and I feel confident that I'm going to get one of those two on the, the flip side, I may take Antonio Brown. So that would be a scenario where I would try and play the variance. But at the moment, the dude just seems to be on a different universe. He doesn't seem fully committed to this team. If things go south early, what happens then? There's already some back and forth between management and him. You know, you're all in or you're all out. That's not a great way to start your career when you haven't even played a down yet. So I'm leaning more towards staying away. I encourage you as well to stay away, but you also have to be truly evaluative of where you are in your draft, what you've done so far, what's going to happen going forward, and is there return on is there upside based on your drafting position with this player? And if I get him at 34, I think there's upside and it's worth considering. However, if I'm playing the Antonio Brown is going to go diva mode, cause problems, be a headache, have the helmet, not be on the field, blah blah blah, that narrative then you got to start thinking about the other pieces of the, the Raiders. And they have two really interesting pieces uh, if Brown is not going to be a focal point in that offense. One, of course, is Tyrell Williams. We've seen big splash weeks out of Tyrell before. We've never really seen him as a number one. Uh, so if he, if for some reason Brown doesn't play, which I don't think is going to happen, but if Brown didn't play and Tyrell's number one, we'd have to truly, I think I would take a wait-and-see approach because it, it, being the number one can be very difficult as far as drawing the top coverage, uh, you know, them them rolling the safety over. Uh, it just makes life a little bit more difficult. Um, now he's got the ability to take the top off. He's a prototypically sized receiver. He's got some tools that are nice. He's had a great training camp. So I'm willing to take a flyer on him. He's currently being drafted as the wide receiver 55. Uh, so that's rather late so you can just kind of take them late and hope for the best that's one of those players that we we're talking about earlier that you know to stash them on your bench don't have a defense kicker and if things come around and brown's playing as the number one week one then you may drop them the player i'm most interested in on this team other than josh jacobs i think i have some interest as being a true bell cow back uh darren waller tight end looking really good this preseason um reports are great he's on the field a lot with the first team during training camp and he's essentially free. You can take him in the last round, round before, if you want to feel comfortable. I think I'm going to take a flyer on him. We've seen what Derek Carr has done with Jared Cook in the past. And I wouldn't be surprised if Darren Waller surprises with like 600, 800 yards and four to seven touchdowns. I'm a fan. I think I'm going to look into it very deeply. I'm going to plan my draft around snagging him, uh, especially if I don't believe in Antonio Brown, which I really don't. So, to progress here and transition a bit, I just wanted to take a look at what I've got going on DraftKings here in my dummy tournament lineup. And right now, uh, I've got Jameis Winston heading the team at quarterback. Uh, Winston is the, I believe, third most expensive quarterback behind Pat Mahomes and Andrew Luck. So I don't really like that. Okay, And I'm not really a pay-up at quarterback guy. I usually put quarterback in my roster the last, uh, unless I'm building around a certain stack per se. Um but Jameis just fit with my salary left. But there are a lot of other quarterbacks that I like, so I may pivot off Jameis to go one of those directions. What I really like about this team are the running back core, uh, or is the running back core. So at the running back positions, I have Dalvin Cook and Nick Chubb locked in. Okay, At their prices, they are just extremely chalky, uh, but I don't think you can pass up on their matchups. Uh, 
You have Dalvin Cook at home against Atlanta. We know how they give up a lot of pass-catching opportunities on DK with the full PPR. That's huge. You have a home running back favored smash spot. Just lock it in. You have Nick Chubb, also home favorite against Tennessee. Lock it in. A player in that price range that I really like uh, that I think will go less owned is Leonard Fournette. I will cycle him in every so often to pair with these guys. Uh, But those are my two in my running back spots currently. At the wide receiver position, I have Larry Fitzgerald, home versus Detroit. Uh, Larry at 4,900 is rather inexpensive. And if we look at Larry last year, and this has been a consistent trend with Larry, his home road splits are night and day. And I think this offensive line is going to be atrocious, and I think Larry is going to be a focus of the offense early on. One thing you really want to do is, especially with the older, well, when you have older players like Larry Fitzgerald, you want to prioritize them early on in the season. Their bodies are the healthiest. They will wear down at the end. This is a spot that I really, really like Larry Fitzgerald. I don't like that the Lions like to play slow. uh, And I don't like that the Lions have a much better defensive line relative to the Cardinals offensive line. But I think on a PPR format, he's a great play at 4,900. I think the upside for 20 points is there. Uh, You know, eight receptions, 80 yards, and a touchdown is certainly on the table here for Larry. And I think his floor is somewhere on five for 55. So 2x floor, perfectly fine for me. Right now, I have Kenny Galladay at 6,300 following Larry Fitzgerald. And this is more of like just the mini game stack theory. I also built this lineup when Marvin Jones had his injury, but he seems to be okay now. I go back and forth on this one. I don't like Matt Patricia. I think he's a terrible play caller. I think he's a terrible coach. I, I just don't think there's a lot of good going on there. But Arizona's defense is going to be atrocious. No doubt about it. And their offense is going to play lightning quick, which is going to lead to a lot more plays for the other team. Okay, It's indoors, so Galladay at home plays indoors. And the big notable thing is Patrick Peterson is not playing. He's suspended. So Kenny Holiday should have a field day out there. Now, if the targets are there, he's going to smash. That's the thing I'm most worried about, and we'll have to see as we get closer how healthy Marvin Jones is and generally how I'm feeling about Kenny Holiday. but that's a place I may pivot and go a different direction, especially if I pay down from Jameis. I may end up with a receiver, I don't know, in the Keenan Allen range, uh, something of that nature. The next receiver on the board, which I think is going to be uber chalky and pairs well with my Jameis, uh, is Chris Godwin. Mike Evans is hurt. Reports are not so good right now. There's no indication of when he'll return. Uh, Chris Godwin, home, San Francisco. I like it, especially paired with Jameis. I think it'll be pretty chalky, but I'm for it currently, and I don't know that I need to defend this one anymore. Everyone's already on him for a huge breakout. It just makes a lot of sense. At the tight end position, I currently have Evan Ingram locked in at 4,800. I'm not really a pay-up at tight end spot, especially when you have Kansas City going to Jacksonville. I'm not really – the Philadelphia offense should be great, but I don't think it's a funnel to Zach Ertz approach that makes him so valuable. They have too many weapons there. You know, O.J. Howard's in a great spot, but they have a lot of weapons there. Hunter Henry is a good player, but, uh, you know, it just makes sense. Evan Ingram's going to see – five to ten targets in this game he's got a good floor he's got a good ceiling i feel good about it now if things change i'm looking at guys like jeff swaim who can pair nicely as a punt with nick Foles. uh i am looking at guys like um uh, who did i mention earlier uh waller if if 
Oh, I don't think they're on the main slate. Nope. Never mind. Just kidding about that. Uh, Jordan Reed going into Philly. I think they'll lean on him. I'm not a huge fan of the matchup per se, although they do give a lot of yards. Um, I think he's interesting from a PPR perspective. Uh, and so there are options and places to go. But right now I got Evan Ingram slotted in there. And in the flex position, I have my favorite player in fantasy football this year. If he stays healthy, there is just absolutely no way that he does not smash. Um, and that is Chris Carson. Folks, Chris Carson, this team wants to run the football. They get Cincinnati week one. Cincinnati. Cincinnati gave up the most, or no, I guess not the most, the third most rushing yards per game last year. They were an absolutely atrocious defense. They gave up the most total yards per game and the second most points per game. They go on the road to play the Seahawks in a game that the Seahawks just control from the beginning. So I love Chris Carson. And then the Seahawks at 3,100, a defense that plays so much better at home than on the road. They had 9.1 points, fantasy points per game at home last year to 5.9 on the road. I have them locked in at the defensive spot. I think I will go all in with them unless they become uber chalk, which they may, and then I may have to pivot. But right now, they are my defense paired with Chris Carson. So you have Jameis Winston, Dalvin Cook, Nick Chubb, Larry Fitzgerald, Kenny Galladay, Chris Godwin, Chris Carson, or Evan Ingram, Chris Carson in the Seattle defense. There'll be some movement. Uh, I'll definitely have that lineup somewhere, but then I'll, you know, rotate around uh, and see what I can do. Uh, so that's what I got week one. We'll keep we'll keep looking at it. I'll have some specific episodes devoted to quarterbacks, wide receivers, tight ends, certain plays that'll be off the board, defenses, things like that as we get closer to week one. Um, but that's where I'm looking currently. And for today, the beer of the podcast is the One Barrel, which is a Madison local brewery. It's the Banjo Cat. Um, interestingly enough, the Banjo Cat, all right? It used to be a black rye IPA. That's what it was labeled as. That's what it was called. Now it is actually a porter. This just caught my eye when I bought a six-pack, I don't know, four or five days ago. I, it, I don't think it tastes any different. I'm not sure if they changed the recipe at all. It's still the same ABV. It's about 6%. Um, they may have just changed the name. I'm not entirely certain. Next time I go into One Barrel, I'll ask them. But uh, one thing I really like about One Barrel, and I have to give them a shout-out for this, on Thursdays, if you bike to One Barrel and you bring your helmet in, your first beer, either a commuter, which is a just standard kind of pale ale, or the uh, Kolsch that they have, uh, or no, the Penguins, the pale ale, or the commuter Kolsch, one of those two is a dollar. So they encourage biking. I'm all about that. Welcome to Madison, Wisconsin. That's what we do here. We bike, we drink beer, we have fun. So, folks, Beer of the Podcast, One Barrel, Banjo Cat, formerly Black Rye IPA. It is now a porter. It's worth it. It's great. You can get it at Woodman's for $6.99 a six-pack. Great steal. Um, I will be back on tomorrow to recap my season-long 12-team half-point PPR draft that's happening tonight. I hope things go well. I hope your life is well. Again, my name is Jesse Cook. This is the reality of fantasy, and I appreciate you tuning in. Take care.